talking today about a very catchy and important topic, the meaning of the E in email. Joshua Horn, who co-chairs Fox Rothschild's securities industry practice, will share insights on the real meaning of email when your company is confronted with litigation or other disputes that involve records and data. Josh is an attorney with the firm's Philadelphia office and co-chairs Fox's securities industry practice. He advises major financial services and advisory companies, as well as individual brokers, advisors, and counselors defending against customer-initiated or intra-industry complaints, as well as on financial industry regulatory authority, SEC, and state matters. In addition, Josh represents the nation's premier merchant card processing company. Josh frequently contributes to Fox's Securities Compliance Sentinel blog. Josh, good morning. Good morning, and thank you for that kind introduction. Josh, how does understanding the true nature and meaning of the E in email affect financial companies? I think it's first to have context in what we're talking about. FINRA, or the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and the SEC set and monitor regulatory compliance among member firms, their registered representatives, and registered financial advisors. What we're seeing in the years following the 2008 global economic collapse is FINRA, for example, paying very close attention to client records during ordinary and special examinations, and quite frankly, going after brokers who alter those records. So the efficacy of client records is paramount in the financial industry today. That's right. There's really no wiggle room for fudging numbers, conversation dates, or content of meeting notes. This increased scrutiny actually harkens back to an experience I had as a young lawyer when I was representing a broker who had very detailed records of client conversations that contradicted the claimant's allegations that the advisor failed to adequately explain the investment recommendation at issue. When the lawyer on the other side questioned the accuracy and the timing of the creation of these notes, I confronted my client and he ultimately admitted that he actually created the notes after he was sued but claimed that they were really the accurate reflection of what really happened. So the notes were not written contemporaneously with his original conversations. This error, even if the notes were correct, cost the client a lot of money. How do records like client conversation or meeting notes and the like uh, connect with email? In the situation I just recounted, only paper records were involved. Today, record keeping is more challenging because there are multiple types of communication, such as paper, cell phone text, web posts, and of course the biggest game changer, email. So the short answer is, email is an additional type of written record that everyone uses and is subject to the same regulatory oversight as if they were letters of the past. As such, emails must be accorded the same care and attention as traditional paper records. That's only half the story, and it's not even the most important half. So what's the other half, and uh, why is it so critical for financial companies? Well, the second part of the email equation is that, frankly, saying that an E in email stands for electronic is incorrect. The E really stands for concepts that are more powerful and potentially threatening to a company's health, such as eternal, everlasting, error-prone, and my all-time favorite, exhibit, as in trial exhibit. There's a real foreboding to those words. What is their message? You're right. Those words really have an effect. I often teach brokers about risk avoidance techniques, and when I do, I frequently get a dramatic audience response when I drop this punchline, because everyone knows that they violate this rule many times in any given day. But these words just convey risk, and that's something most people do not appreciate or even link to electronic communication. We've become very lazy and careless in what we are saying in emails. 
But the bottom line is that email and electronic communications are ghosts. Your messages leave an everlasting mark. They can't be deleted completely. Even if you push the delete button, emails leave a permanent mark in company systems. And it's this kind of haunting that makes email a bugaboo for companies embroiled in legal disputes. Any message sent by company personnel literally has an everlasting shelf life, and it will come back to haunt not only its creator, but in all likelihood the entire company. You make a great point about the staying power of email. How about the other two E's that you connected to email, error-prone and exhibit? You can't really forget about them. In my experience, error-prone and exhibit are the two most often overlooked implications of email, especially for companies or individuals facing a courtroom battle. Error-prone. This is one deceptively simple. We all make mistakes. We do so in conversations and in writing. Most of the time, it's easier to remember or realize you've misspoken. But I think many people forget or maybe don't realize that misstepping or making an error, factual or otherwise, in email is dramatically different. Uh, why is that? Well, I think it's a lot easier for most of us to feel convinced of our correctness when we are writing an email, especially those that I would characterize as knee-jerk reaction emails. There's something in the act of putting a statement into written words that seems more permanent and solid than a phone call or in-person discussion. Email, similar to a formal letter of days gone by, may make the writer more convinced of his argument and facts. And sometimes what is it in writing is just wrong. Also, the tone of the email may communicate something like righteous indignation, dismissiveness, or arrogance that can only hurt you in the long run. Moreover, it's easier to lose track of email. We are deluged by hundreds of messages every day, and the combination of saying something in writing that you didn't mean to say, how you said it, or that it's inaccurate because it was a knee-jerk reaction, plus forgetting about that email or a response to it, well, that can be deadly to a financial company broker or advisor. So how do we address the harsh realities that first, we make mistakes, and second, that doing so in email carries extraordinary risks due to the eternal record that an email creates? That's where the last E enters the picture. Exhibit, or trial exhibit. Trial exhibits an innate of sorts for financial industry professionals, and in fact, for anyone who emails. It's a way of helping people to remember the bottom line of email, that any message you write and send could end up involved in a legal dispute, trial or arbitration, at any future point and blown up or in a PowerPoint presentation for the entire world to see. I offer exhibit as a pretty easy rule of thumb for remembering the hazards of email and other forms of electronic communication. That word alone also helps people remember what approach they should take before sending an email. And what's that approach? It's pretty quite simple. After you write the email, read it and read it again, especially for that tone I mentioned earlier. Ideally, get up and take a short walk and then come back with a clearer head, particularly if it's an uncomfortable situation that you were addressing. After, after you've reread that email, you would be okay seeing that email enlarged 10,000 times at a trial where you're defending yourself, then hit send. If the answer is not an unqualified yes, don't send it, but delete it, and fast. Although this seems obvious, so many people overlook it in our fast-paced, multicast, time-crunched world. That's great. Any final words or takeaways for our listeners? Well, when writing an email, take your time. Think before you hit send. Delete your message immediately if it doesn't pass the quote-unquote exhibit test. Doing so may save your career and your company. Thanks so much, Josh. That's great advice to live by for those in the financial industry and for anyone really who uses email. 
Listeners, if you would like to speak with Josh about a possible on-site training or seminar for your employees or a one-on-one consultation, please contact Josh at 215-299-2184 or jhorn at foxrothschild.com. Fox Rothschild LLP is a full-service law firm with more than 600 lawyers in 21 offices coast-to-coast. We serve businesses of all sizes as well as individuals in more than 55 areas of law. Clients choose us because we understand their issues, their priorities, and the way they think. We become trusted business advisors working in the trenches with those we serve. At Fox, we care about your success as much as you do.